Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat-treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Welcome, everybody, to another wonderful episode of Knife Talk Podcast. This is where we talk knives, we answer questions, uh, we give relationship advice sometimes. Uh, we're, we're starting to do some deep dives, which are really great. So anyhow, uh, we'll just get right into it, and we'll talk about what's been going on this last week. Uh, Craig, let's kick off with you. What have you been up to this last week? The usual. Just all hands to the grinder this week. Um, so I've had this big order. It's been coming up for some time. That's been in my sort of schedule for, for 200 knives. And um, it's my biggest order to date. And I started that this week. So just starting the grinds this week. Um, yeah. And it has been a real grind. It's just been nonstop. And it's, yeah, it's been dirty. It's been hot. Um, but good but good fun. Just, just getting through it. I, I like that sort of rhythm of getting into something and just, just keep on grinding and grinding and grinding. So um, that's all really. No other big news from me this week. It's just been all hands to the grinder. It's really – so just out of curiosity because I'm actually working on a big stack. I was grinding a lot of knives at the same knife over and over again. Hmm. It's It's kind of mentally draining, don't you think? I tend to sort of zone out a little bit. Oh. Um <laughs> So I wouldn't say it's draining. If anything, it, I find it quite relaxing. Um, and you just sort of get into a routine. And uh, yeah, I, I quite like it. I know it's not for everybody, but um, for me, it just tends to sort of calm me down a bit, I think. I know exactly what I'm doing. I've got ev- It's all about preparation for me. So I've got a, a, you know, a stack to my left. I've got my dip tag in the middle, and I've got a stack to the right, which you know, as I go through each grit, they just, they just follow along the process. Um, mm-hmm. And I quite like that. It's a bit sort of zen-like. Oh, I like it. That sounds great. That great. I, hmm. I, I wasn't very zen when I was doing it. <laughs> we throw in shit. And like, I was just like, you know, I had to, it's hard. Did you, you know, have something else you'd rather be doing? Uh, I break it up sometimes. So, yeah. but I think someone asked us a question about that. We'll talk about that later. So hmm. nothing else, Craig, nothing else in your life this past week? No, nothing really. No. How about, um, how about that you added phone calls to the podcast? Ah, yes. So I've become the the knife talk receptionist. (laughs) (laughs) No chasing me around the office at the office party, okay? None of that going on. Uh, But um, yeah, so we we had this, this, uh, I think Mareko had the idea a few weeks ago about us having a a hotline. So I managed to find a service that's doing stuff for us. Um, 
And yeah, we've had quite a few messages from people. I think a lot of you didn't think it was real because there must have been 15 or 16 messages. So people just ringing, laughing and hanging up. We don't need them. We don't need them. So we, we want your, your tips, your questions, any news that you want us to talk about, whether it's community stuff or whatever yeah. it is. Just leave it all on there for us and we can just filter through it and we can get away with it. I think it's hilarious that somebody called, probably chickened out as soon as it picked up, and then just like, you know, got cold feet and left us some nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> listen, to, listen to some of the shit I've had to listen to this week. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Hello? Hey, Beavis, is this like a hotline for hot chicks? <laughs> Shut up, butthead. <laughs> Jesus. That's the kind of stuff people have been sending. <laughs> oh my come god. On, come, come on, come on. Be more imaginative than that. <laughs> what is it? Come on, guys. <laughs> and it's, that's like 90s stuff. It's like, you know, when it's like they're going to ring up and go, what's up? As if it's like really current. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. you know, obviously a hotline isn't necessarily the most technological thing, but we're trying to interact with you people. And this exactly. is. Come on. Well, yeah, and if you actually want to get on the podcast, like, you, you got to do something better than that. I mean, sure. exactly. Or, or, meaningful or obviously, yeah. that's not the case, because we just put Beavis the Butthead on. So, I mean, <laughs> that's you know, true. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's come on. To do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do something fun. Come on. Amuse us. Amuse us. Jeez. What have you been up to, Mareko? Uh, I myself have been working on another big monster blade. So I finished up that mammoth tooth blade uh, mm. recently, and I got another big blade. It's 11 and a quarter inch oh right now. Uh, chef's knife. The customer ordered a uh, 10 and a half inch chef's knife. And uh, usually I just forge a blade out. And if there's a little extra material, I offer it to, to the customer uh, at no additional cost. So basically they're getting a slightly bigger knife for nothing extra but mm. big knives are tricky to grind <laughs> just to keep things consistent over the whole length of that now all the way out to you know 11 and a half 11 and a quarter inches uh but anyways been working on that got the handle on and uh, a couple days ago i had a little bit of a you know things were going super well on sculpting the handle and it's a japanese cowboy style handle it's going super well very very comfortable things were just falling in place and of course uh i have one little slip up and i'm like okay i think i can recover from this i start recovering from that and then i start doing a different facet and i i'm not happy with it i i potentially completely fucked it up uh, so i might be ripping off a handle uh i don't know this has happened in the past and all i all i can do is in the moment i'm so frustrated and flustered i just want to like smash it off and start over but <laughs> i've learned that i need to just set it down and go do something else for a couple days um so i can come back with fresh eyes because otherwise i'll just still be too uh you know too irritated about it yeah. and um so i've Outside of that, I've been working on some side project stuff that um haven't really been talking about. So I'll just keep it at that. Um, ah, tease, then, tease. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, that's what that's what the week has been like for me. Yeah. How's the new shop looking? The new shop, it's almost completely set up. I think one of the last things I got to do in the grinding room is set up kind of a, a hook system for all the belts. Um, cause right now they're still in boxes and they get spread out all over the floor and, uh, it's just not awesome. It's 
the drag really so i gotta get a little bit more organized in there forging area is all set up kind of my workbench area is set up so yeah it's just doing the last little things in the grinding area to kind of get things situated and and get the workflow going belt organization is i hate belt organization yeah it's terrible because you have the new belts and then you have the used belts, but the used belts aren't so bad that you can't, you know, like I save the used belts for like a mild steel stuff. True. And it's always like trying to, I'm trying to go through them all and rotate them around and where you hang them up. And it looks like, you know, looks like somebody threw a bunch of giant rubber bands all over the floor. I hate it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. I've got, I've got a system where I've got, uh, so under my grinder, I've got like a, a door and, you know, with shelving underneath. And I've got these shelves that are maybe just sort of six inches high. Um, so I've got all my belts, the new belts there, so I can just pick up a new belt straight and carry on going, you know, very, very quickly. But then I've got all my used belts behind me, uh, and I've got, like, five hooks. So when they're <laughs> and they're sort of graded, as in, like, they're nearly fucked, right. semi-fucked, <laughs> good to go, and, you know, nearly new. And I, I just sort of put them along that thing. But, um, yeah, it's easy to just sort of slip up one day and just think, oh, again, before you know, you've got a nest on the floor of all yeah. half-used belts and all sorts. It's a nightmare. Um, one That reminds me of something I saw a while back. Somebody had installed underneath their workbench kind of like a, a, a the slide for a drawer, but it's only mm. one side of this one. You know, usually a drawer has two slides on either side. So right. it's just one. And then hanging from it, they had hooks. And then they would hook the belts onto that, and it just slid right underneath the bench when they didn't want it in the way. And they pulled it out and slid right back out. You grab a belt oh. off, slide it back in. I've been wanting to put that put that together. Uh, that'll That's probably still down the road a little ways. Because I don't really have a, a kind of bench system set up. But maybe, I, I, Jeff, you got a whole long bench don't you? you yeah. That might be something you could put underneath your... And no. it keeps stuff from getting on the belts now. I oh, yeah. use it for storage. Under there. It's a disaster. Yeah, use it for there. storage. I, I keep it... Yeah, I, I keep, like, the compressor under there. I keep the vacuum cleaners and the bullshit. And it's, it's a, it looks like a real... I mean, it looks... It's, I ain't putting anything, you know, I don't want to put my belts under there. I keep them above everything, and I look at them, and I can get an idea of, like, when I need to reorder. Um, That's a good idea. But the, I usually do like a hook for the new ones, and then right next to it a hook for the used ones. But then the hook for the used ones always gets jumbled up, and it's just like, and it looks like shit, and it looks like it just looks like, ugh. It isn't. It isn't optimal. So. Wait, there's a. Why can't we get rid of belts? I struggle with getting rid of belts. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't and then why. I got a pile. You know what I got a pile of is. I got a pile next to my disc sander. I get. Uh, I get uh, nine by eleven uh, paper. And then I'm cutting away, you know, line by 11 paper is great for, sandpaper is great for a nine inch disc because you end up with a one little, when you cut it away, you end up with a little piece that you can reuse, you know, a two inch piece that you can reuse for, you know, hand sanding. Mm -hmm. I end up with a pile of these off cuts and I have to sort through them and I'm like, and then you got to rip off the little corners and you're like, it's always like a, you know, you said a couple months ago that I have a clean shop. This shop is such a shithouse right now. And it's like, it's exhausting. (laughs) And I have a I've, customer I've a coming question. after this, and I got a customer coming after this. I got to clean the shop up after we podcast. It's like, ugh. ugh. I've got a question regarding your disc sander, actually, because I'm I'm there. I'm ready to push the button. I think I need one. Um, how are you adhering your paper to your platen? Is it just like an adhesive spray? And yeah, do, do they come off. E- no, comes off easy enough. No, I don't use an adhesive. There's this. Um, I I learned everything I learned about disc sanders 
I give 100% credit to Nick Wheeler. Nick Wheeler has great videos on disc sanders. Hmm. And he used this feathering disc paste or swill. I don't know what it is. It's like out of a tube. Swill. <laughs> and uh, you kind of put it on, and then you kind of put your paper against it. So hmm. I know that... I know back in, in the old days, and I actually just ordered from Combat. Combat actually has um, nine-inch uh, discs that are not uh, thin like a rhino wet. They're like the, the, the thickness of you know grinding discs. I actually ordered some of those, mm-hmm. and I think that that style you can use uh, adhesive spray. I'm not 100% sure, but I All use right. the... I don't, I, the problem with the, the, the super thin paper is if you're... Not, if you're if your disc isn't super, super clean, any lumps in there transfers out. So you got to keep mm, the yeah, disc super yeah. clean. Oh, but that, there you go. Yeah, okay. I use so a, this. adhesive spray myself. Yeah, I, I might. I have some adhesive spray that I use for sometimes if I have to do a, a, te- a quick template for um, cutting out a cutting out a stock removal knife. I'll I'll draw something out and then I'll use the adhesive spray to put it against the uh, the steel so I can kind of have a template on there but i should try that i should clean up this goddamn disc and and uh but i use feathering adhesive feathering disc adhesive gotcha yeah. okay so your week jeff what's been what's been going on for you Ugh, idiotic idiotacy is that a new word that's my new word idiotacy it's uh i uh we we uh i worked on a lot of knives and then i was uh grinding i started grinding these 50 bandito knives uh that i'm doing with carl and and that was uh it was a lesson in it was a lesson in, uh, you know, trying to be Zen. And I guess I got, I have too much going on in my life to the point where I'm now checking off all the commitments. I didn't say no to Arlie anything for this time of year for some reason. And so now I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm going through the things I committed to and I'm checking them off gleefully. One of the things were, <laughs> was, um, I got asked by my friend, uh, John Sharp of the Birds All House. He wanted to, he wanted to make paella for this, uh, this, upcoming Oktoberfest in Croton and we I said listen let's just let's just do a let's do a warm up so we can figure out how we're going to do it cuz it's not like cooking hot dogs over a grill mm-hmm. so we did that on Wednesday and and uh it was a really good turnout it could have been better but you know everyone was happy uh the chef was there the sous chef was there I was kind of running in and it was a lot of fun and a lot of people showed up and now we're getting ready for in two weeks. We're going to go to Croton with like, instead of making one giant pie, we're going to make like six. So it's like, now it's just math Whoa. city. But luckily Whoa. the last, oh, the smart thing was, was I didn't have to do, I, I said, I'm not doing any of the prep in your kitchen, in the chef's kitchen, because I just can't, where's this? And where's that? And how do I turn this on? And I don't want any of that. So I did everything at, at my home and it was like, you know, it was just a lot of work. It was great. I'm glad I did it. But I swear to God, I, I, this might be the end of me and Paye after this whole thing. I, I, <laughs> Not I, enough. I, well, the proportions change. Like when you, ah, we're going to talk about fucking rice for. I mean, it was fun. I learned a lot. And I'm going to be, by the end of this, you're, I'm never going to say the word Paye again. Go fuck yourself. I'm going to go do something else. Fair enough. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. Here's Knife Talk KTP News. This is where we have little things. We actually have a lot of news in the news today. Um, first off, I'm going to do this is the uh, this of the of the news. This is the uh, help wanted section of the news. Uh, <laughs> uh, our buddy 
Tomer. This is a great opportunity. Now, listen up. If you're in Europe, if you're a European knife maker, you don't even have to be a knife maker. Florentine Knives is looking to hire someone to be a knife maker at Florentine Knives in Barcelona. He's looking for someone who's uh, smart, uh, very attentive to detail. He's looking for someone who can grow with him. He's actually looking for someone who can help take over you know, part of his work as a knife maker. And I don't think you don't need to be a blacksmith. You don't need to be a bladesmith. You don't need to. I think that the most important thing is to have a good attitude, be able to, uh, you know, fit and finish, work for perfection, be smart. It's not brain surgery. You can, I think that a lot of people are very qualified to do this. And it's a great opportunity for you to kind of work for one of the best knife makers in, in Europe. The caveat is you can, all you Americans don't write this email address down because he wants someone with a U, uh, EU passport, a European passport. He's looking for Europeans. So, so the Brits, you've got 10 days if you're a Brit. <laughs> because then yeah, your passport is yeah, not valid. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, I think he said, Euro, he, he said a European passport. Right, and if you email him at info at florentinekitchenknives.com and, you know, show some interest, he'll, he'll, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity. He's a smart guy. It's very, don't be daunted. There's a lot of gr- room for growth. It is a really great opportunity for someone to work in it for a great place. So I would. Amazing opportunity. Oh yeah, Amazing. dude, I was there and it's not like, he's not going to come up to you and he says, oh, I want you. It's going to be a great opportunity for, for learning. For growth, for business, it's a beautiful space. You got to be clean. You have to be, you know, be able to. That's it. Go. I would do it if I if I was in Europe and I was a young guy. I didn't have a, you know, I could move around. I would I would take this job in a heartbeat. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, Any other news? What news have we got? Well, I mean, if you guys want to talk about, uh, you know, Mareko, you know about uh, Emilio Carrillo, 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 Sudden Stars Forge. Yeah. All right. What about him? Well, he, he this is an incredible story, and he he's a super guy, and he he's really known. I don't he's known for making beautiful knives, but he also does a lot of making steel from you know sand. You know, he makes steel, he makes the big furnace, and they melt right, it down right, right. and bloomery and everything. So yeah. he um there was a friend of his name uh, William Short who runs a Viking research group um in Iceland, and they wanted to make old iron with um in iceland using the sand and all that traditional technique so i guess he came over um and uh, there are all these slag piles in iceland some of them are even two stories tall and they made over a thousand tons of Jesus. iron over there 300 for 300 years so they got they got interested and they met up with him um they came over i'm not i'm butchering the story but uh, he came back to the u.s and he wanted to learn how to make bloomery iron so we went to Iceland. So uh, Emiliano and his guys went over to Iceland, and they made they made uh, traditional iron uh, at this event, this uh, Viking workshop festival. And they had all these great, um, you know, vendors and stuff like that. And they actually made um, bloomery iron and ma- uh, that hadn't been made in in Iceland for seven hundred years off this beach. I guess they got wow. uh, sand from the beach, and they got. Uh, they get all this. Wow. Uh, it was really cool. So it was a great opportunity for him, and they made iron for the first time in a long time. And Emiliano was. Uh, I think they're going to do a vi- at some point. There'll be a video out, but that was really cool. So. And he got out to go over there and make iron for the first, you know historic Viking iron. Wow. I hope I told that story right, but whatever. That yeah, sounds great. Go. Yeah, oh, that's incredible. 
And then um, one other thing is, is the Texas Ferry Supply guys told me to tell you guys that Jeff Davidson Custom Knives is putting on a clinic slash demo Tuesday, October 8th, starting at 6 p.m. at the Kensdale Texas Farrier Supply location, which is near Fort Worth. So there's going to be food, raffles, and demos. So get a hold of them and nice for that. You've got your maker camp coming up, haven't you, Jeff? Well, thank God for this podcast, because um, if it wasn't for this last week, I, may, I told a story about how, how I, I didn't want to, li- I didn't want to, you know, we we're going to be sleeping in the cabin with all these blacksmiths. <laughs> this is so October 11th to the 14th, we're going to be with the Jimmy DeResta and his crew in uh, at the maker camp to go follow the maker camp. And thank God for this podcast. And not to mention, thank God that Chris Cash listens because he listened to the podcast immediately. And I had said, yeah, we're all going to be in a room. So he cons- he's our Chris Cash, Mount Phillip Metalworks is uh, our wrangler and our and our hype man and our like he's like he's taking care of everything for the blacksmiths so he contacted the people of black uh blackthorn resort he says yeah man you better get these guys a room because fader said you're gonna get them a room and, and i guess they said to him like oh i thought we were they're gonna camp so if it wasn't for this podcast so they got us oh, rooms wow. thank god because i would have been <laughs> such a miserable son of a bitch and a, i would have bitched and complained so chris Hats off to Chris for like watching my back on this podcast. I got up this podcast because if I got up there and I worked all days at Blacksmith and I had to like get into a sleeping bag and and like and stew in my own swill overnight and do it again, it would have been uh, it would I would have been miserable, and everybody else would have been miserable because I'm not happy unless you're not happy. So thank God for <laughs> you Chris. You don't Cash. suffer in silence. No, no, no. I'm not happy. That's what Don Imus used to say. He's like, I'm not happy till you're not happy. So there you go. There you go. That's what it. other news have we got? We, we've had we've had more EDCs out this week. So for those who don't know, as well as our regular Monday um, podcast, our Monday morning podcast, we're putting out a short episode every weekday. So every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. These are generally, hey man, can I ask you a question? Or they could be tips, or they could be things that people are now leaving on our answer phone. It's just going to be a bit of fun every day, sort of five, ten minutes. So make your make sure you're subscribed, and you're going to get those EDC episodes too. With pop, we put a lot more pop in the last this last week. We did. We, we did, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot more fun this week. Yeah. 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 We've also got our meetup, our Knife Talk um, forum members. have got the meetup uh, in South Wales, back in the UK. Um, and that is um, a JR Knife Maker. He's got some woodland there. So that's happening next weekend. So I'm going. I'm flying out on Thursday. Um, so next week, or possibly the week after, we'll be able to tell you a bit of what happened there. But it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Looking nice. forward to hearing about it. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about it either. Uh, so when it comes to the calendar of events, uh, this month's, uh, featured makers, Mr. Joe Edson, I want to just give him a quick shout out. He makes badass, uh, straight razors. I think actually made it. He was my community showcase a little while back, but this coming weekend, September 28th to the 29th down in Easton, Pennsylvania, the Lay Valley knife show is going to be, or sorry, Lehigh Valley knife show is going to be happening at Easton in Easton, Pennsylvania. That's right on the border of New Jersey, right next to Phillipsburg. Yeah, I helped build a. Okay. I built a shop. I helped build a blunt bronze foundry in Phillipsburg. We called it Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's a good area. Easton's a good area. Nice, nice. Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size and at unbelievable prices. 
Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! <laughs> P.S. Um, I just ordered some extra uh, belts and stuff, and that 15%, you know, shaves off much more than you think. Like, I was nice. surprised at how much more it shaved off than I was expecting. I like I bought, like, 320 bucks worth of stuff and it peeled off $50 worth of, you know, discount. That's not nothing. Nothing to be stiffed at. No, 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 it's great. <laughs> our, uh, yeah, I was going to say our listeners are not uh, enamored with Arnie or fake Arnie. <laughs> I, you know <laughs> what? Lots of messages like, who is this guy? He sounds nothing like him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like the sports guy. I like our sports guy. He might be my favorite. And that's the thing. If you call, if you call our, our hotline, I don't know the number offhand. It's that guy. It's, hey, man, can I ask you a question? I love that guy. <laughs> we need a jingle with a hotline number. You I, know wish, I wish. Oh, we, seven, six, five, four, do, do, that I wish we could have him on the podcast. I'd love to talk to him <laughs> with that voice. He'd be a great guy to just, like, you know, be our, like, a, the Ed McBan or the, you know, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, here we are. I love that guy's voice. He charges by the minute for his voiceover work. Oh, He'd have to be a quick show. He'd Jesus have to be a quick Christ. Show. Can you imagine now all of a sudden we get this bill from this asshole for like, what, $200? Get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. Do you, know what, do you know what I'd prefer to have on the show? Go ahead. This one. Let's take a deep dive. Oh, God, <laughs> that one's horrible. So Mareko set out a question this week, our deep dive question. Do you want, do you want to read out your question? Mareko? Yeah. All right. So just quick. Premise, uh, or preface was, I don't know what the word. Preface Anyways, is fine. <laughs> premise? <laughs> preface? No, preface is good. Preface. Okay. Um, I listened to this podcast called uh, London Real, and the, he, the guy does a lot of really great interviews on there. And, and the question that I've heard him ask a few different times that I thought was really cool is this. He says, if you had access to a magical phone that allowed you to call your past self, the self when you first started out knife making, what advice would you give yourself? I like that. Mm, that's good. What do you do think? Do you want to jump straight in, Jeff? Well, I wouldn't go back to the knife making. I'd go back to my childhood, and oh. I would I would go okay. back because I, I I actually I'm I'm uh, I have it's been told to me that I become angrier now than I used to be, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that. When I was a kid, I was constantly uh, told no, and and you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you're talking about, and I I lost a lot of confidence when I was a kid, and it really affected me. Like I was constantly judging myself, or I was constantly um, not believing in myself, and it got to the point where it gave me. I was very. Uh, I had a real. I had a real problem with my self esteem. And the older I got and the real how much I realized, yeah, these motherfuckers don't know what they're talking about. I should have listened to myself. I was right. I was right when I was younger. I, I should have tr- believed in myself. I, if I could call myself back, I would have slapped myself around and say, don't listen to those cocksuckers. Oh, pardon me. Pardon me, deep dive. Uh, that, that one, I got a little bit hairy on that one. Don't listen to these motherfuckers. That's better, right? So, <laughs> Slightly better, maybe. <laughs> don't listen to them. And, and you know, you're, you know you're, you should believe in yourself a little bit more and stop the nonsense. I, that's what I would do. I, I like this question because that is an issue I have. I, I, uh, I sometimes I, uh, second guess myself and when I shouldn't because somebody said to me oh you don't know what you're talking about and I hate that mm. so there you go yeah now I'm angry yeah so so if I had access to a magical phone that allowed me to call my past self well first of all I'd patent this magical phone it sounds like <laughs> there's money in this phone oh yeah <laughs> but no um 
I think in a similar vein, really, just to have more confidence in myself, because I was, I've always been sort of a people pleaser, doing what people want me to do and trying to make people feel happy. Um, and sometimes, you know, sort of degrading myself to do that. So, yeah, as a youngster, I'd say, look, d- again, don't care what people think or, you know, just try to make yourself happy. You being happy will make others happy. I think I think that would that would be something. Um, but also, I think take your time as well. That there's no shortcuts. Um, I think particularly when I started making knives, I wanted to make the best knives, and I wanted to be selling knives. I wanted to go full time. You know, way way too quickly. Mm-hmm. And this is a question that we get asked a lot on the on the show. You know, when should I go full time? Um, you know, it's not easy. So make sure you, you you're getting everything covered, and make sure you've got a bit of runway before you take that leap. Um, yeah, and just do what you want to do. Find find the market for you. Don't go out there to try and please other people. Do what you enjoy doing, and hopefully you can find a market for that. Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, basically it would be the same for me. I'd call myself and I'd say, you know, don't worry about taking all these kind of like pre-orders and stuff, and don't don't worry about rising too quickly, um, mm. or I guess getting, I don't know. I don't know if it's getting paid a lot for your work really quickly or whatever, but the, I don't know, just the the way the system that I have used to take pre-orders and deposits and stuff, um, it has its place, but I think I, I wish I would have stopped taking the pre or like, I guess uh, the deposits and pre-orders sooner. Uh, that way it would have, I, w- I would be in a more, a, a, a more free position and I'm mm-hmm. super thankful for my, my, my order list because it's, it's, you know, it's job security. Um, because who knows, like if the economy takes a shit tomorrow, I mean, I might lose some of my customers, but I still have some that would still, um, who would still follow through with the orders. I mean, that's what, when I first started working for Bob Kramer, it was in 2008 and he only rose from there. And I think there's a part of the market that, uh, we've connected with that, isn't it necessarily affected by economic downturns and stuff like that? So, but yeah. I think, but I think, um, yeah, I think just having more patience, not trying to catch up because I was also surrounded by a lot of super talented makers all the time. And so I was trying to catch up with them and prove myself to them. And I think, uh, I think I would advise myself to just take my time and slow it down and, you don't have to prove anything to anybody. Um, what's actually, I think really more important is kind of like the community building that we've talked about before. And I think, um, by with a slower burn, I would have had more of an opportunity to build. A, I mean, I have. I'm very fortunate for the strong community of supporters I have now. But um, it, it would have. They people would have had the opportunity to kind of grow with me if I had done that sooner when I first started out. But I just off the jump. Um, I you know I was getting. Uh, compensated well for my work um, and which I'm very fortunate for, but I think there are things that I had missed as well. Opportunities missed, but I have yeah, a question yeah. for you back to what you were saying in regards to job security in yeah. your list. And this has happened yeah, sure. to me and I'm interested in to know what you both think. If yeah. somebody gives you a deposit and time has passed and something happens, an emergency in their lives, they lose a job, Christmas is coming and they need money for their Christmas and they ask you for their deposit back. What do you do? I've given deposits back. 
Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. I think it it depends on the situation. If it's just a case of they've changed their mind, they've seen the knives elsewhere, you're like, well, I've scheduled you in now. No. But if it's, yeah, if it's a case of somebody is down on their luck and they, they literally can't afford to. It, because that's, what's gonna, you... that's what you have to be prepared for. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That's the right thing and to do. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, it can be hard sometimes. Um, and what's... I guess hard in the way where I've had people say, you know, I've I've given them their refund back or refunded their deposit and stuff. And then I, I get them trying to jump back into the list at the same place they were before and oh, at the that's, same that's price as they were before. I'm like, ooh. Yeah, get the fuck yeah. out of here. No, no, no. That's some work like that. Uh, Sorry. That's some bullshit right there. You can't trust a person like that. <laughs> no, you know? Because yeah. we had a guy who bought a, a set settle a knife a fork oyster knife a blah 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 blah. and he lost his job and christmas was coming and we had to refund him it was a nice chunk of money and it was like you know but i mean you have to do it you know you have to do it and uh but at the same time it's like if that motherfucker calls me back i'm like hey man i I know there's a place you can get some cutco knives down the street go go bother them (laughs) yeah i got i got a buddy who who didn't take a deposit and uh so he but the what the customer had ordered was like a six piece stainless Damascus knife set and a couple oh. chef's knives. And, um, and my, my buddy hadn't, he had just started making stainless Damascus. And so he was doing all this work to kind of continue to experiment and learn and spent months figuring this stuff out and building this set. And then when it came to paying the customer was like, mm, I changed my mind. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, where's the communicate? And so that's part of like, you know, realist, like a lot of makers feel really uncomfortable with taking deposits, but the reality is like, that's how it works in almost yeah. any other industries. You are the, whoever the creative is, is, uh, takes a deposit. And part of it is the security that that person is going to follow through. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously like we just discussed, you know, there are situations where, you know, shit happens and life changes and people fall on hard times and you try to be sympathize sympathize with that. But I think um, I got a dude right now. He bought a pile yeah. of oyster knives. He gave me a deposit for half and they've been sitting on my desk for for months. And he, he <sighs> we we keep sending him messages, you still want these or you you know, what do you want to do you wanna like I was willing to even say Look, you can, you know, you take the deposit and you can take whatever, how many oyster knives were worth the deposit and I'll, I'll sell the rest of them. He goes, no, 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 I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay. And I'm like, all right, well then pay. You know, but yeah. it's like, it's not the end. Of, I mean, we're talking, we're not talking about a pile of money here, but at the same time, it's yeah. like at the same time, like I know that the guy's probably going through some hard times and I was like, yeah, look, if you want, I, I'll sell these oyster knives easy, you know? So, yeah. But I mean, you know, it's tricky, man. For sure. It ain't all... High fives and what did you call it, Craig? High fives and high fives and hand jobs. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Hey man, can I ask you a question? All right. This is the time in the podcast where we ask you, the listener, to send us your messages. Obviously, we're and in this podcast, we're telling you, please call the hotline. I don't know the number, but call the hotline. And uh and then, uh, or you can DM us your questions, your tips, blah, blah, blah. So the first question we got comes from Meathead Blades. Hey guys, can I ask you a question? Will buying equipment like a forging press, ha- uh, power hammer, heat treat, heat treat oven, and the baddest grinder really make you uh, make a big difference in between a long-time hobbyist knife maker and a full-time forging shop guy? 
So is it really worth spending the big bucks for the big equipment to transfer into being from a hobbyist to a full-time maker? What do you think, guys? Well, firstly, I, I don't think that the, you know, having all the equipment makes you, you know, a great knife maker. You, you know, you need to have experience using this equipment. So it's not going to happen overnight. It's not a case of just going out and buying yourself, you know, this profession. Um, you, you know, you buy things and you're going to have to experiment with them. You're going to fail. You're going to learn and, and so on. And over time, you're going to get better. So it's not just an, an immediate jump between, you know, part-time hobbyists to, you know, full-time superstar knife maker. That doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, if you get better equipment and and you get to use it well, you know, it stands to chance that you're going to make a better product. But, you know, we, we've all seen people just, you know, with the dirty old hammer, just making these amazing knives, you know, and they're, they're mm-hmm. incredibly skilled. Um, but I think if you've got the right equipment, you can follow processes to get yourself a good end result. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I 100% agree. I mean, I... I <sighs> I don't know how many times, like I play guitar and I don't know how many times I had friends that dropped money or had family members buy them these fancy ass guitars and they like mm. take 10 lessons and then they never play again. And it's like, bro, it's, it's not in the equipment that it's, it's your dedication, your passion, your, your, your ongoing education and drive to learn more. I think that really it just kind of makes you more of a professional than maybe uh, a hobbyist uh you know i uh, who is it mark bartlett he's uh he's a part-time maker he doesn't make a he doesn't turn out a lot of knives but he takes his time and i think he would probably refer to himself as a hobbyist but he is one of the best fucking makers i know and it's because he has dedicated some serious time into just refining his skills to a point where he's just turning out great shit um but equipment wise, I don't think it's all about the equipment. I mean, even if you look at the makers from South America and, and Thailand, I mean, these guys are, wor- you know, and Pakistan and in India, Pakistan. those fucking guys, <laughs> they got some tough situations. They're turning out the best copies in the world with nothing, Not with designers. sandals on their feet and an iPhone. Anyways, the South American <laughs> and Thai makers are working with very little equipment, but they're really making it happen and turning out some really incredible stuff. I mean, and Julian Antunes, he built his own power hammer. And it's, you know, it's a tiny little rinky-dink thing, but it, you know, it's making shit happen. So, mm. You know, it's funny what you say. You mentioned about guitars there. Having the best guitar doesn't make you any better. So I play guitar too. And um, when I got married, we we had all our, obviously, family and friends all out there. But it was like in the woods. There's, we found this place in West Wales, which is like a village in the middle of the woods, and you could hire the whole place. It was great. But um, I was playing actually a song. Um, instead of giving vows, I, was, I wrote a song, and I wrote a song, you know, played mm. it in front of everybody. But my brother, who is my best man, he had to do a speech. So on the morning of the wedding now, and I'm, I'm panicking, I've got lots of stuff to do, oh. and checking everything's right. My brother came up to me and said, look, he said, what I'd like to do for your speech is um, play guitar, you know, and sing it instead. Oh. And I was like, oh, right, okay. He's like, but I don't play guitar. Could you teach me how to play just oh a few chords? Oh, my God. This is the morning of my wedding. He's like, could you teach me just a few <laughs> chords? And I'm just like, are you kidding me? That's <laughs> as if it's that easy. Oh. That is, uh, how, that's hilarious. What a what a dickhead! That's a dickhead thing to say. I'm gonna make sure you listen to this. My brother will love. What's that. his name? What? What's, what's his yeah. name? Jack. 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 Yes. What the fuck? What the fuck, Jack? 
Come on, man. You can't do that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jack. Come on, man. This is the best bit of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I, You know, back to what we were talking about, about the equipment and stuff like that. We have had questions in the past of like, well, if I had $500, can I build a, a power hammer? There, buying good quality stuff will be make you more efficient if like you guys were saying it's all about what, what you're going to do with it you could have a 2,000 pound paperweight that if you're not going to use it it's you know ba 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 i think that it's important to spend your money wisely and like when you talk about like grinders anytime i bought my my 2x72 grinder my disc grinder all my equipment uh even my tire hammer i never thought this was a mistake there was only one piece of equipment that we're not going to talk about that i always felt it was a huge mistake but other than that <laughs> other than that i've never i've never thought anything that could make me more efficient was a mistake to buy I'm all the big buys. I've always felt really like, oh, this could be. This was really helpful. I'm really glad I got this. So in that regards, yes, it's what you put into it. But at the same time, you know, it, it having equipment that makes you more efficient is going to make you. If it makes you more efficient, it makes you better. Yeah. yeah. Funny enough, just this morning we were we were out shopping, my wife and I. And um, we we were in like a DIY store, and they had these drill presses, and they were they were on offer. And I was like, oh, I could do with another drill press. She said, well, you've got two. I'm like, yeah, but if I had a third, I could have it set up just for countersinks, for example. She said, well, why can't you just change what you've got? And it's like, well, it's that thing. It just makes it more efficient. You know, if I'm doing that, you know, 100 times a week, you know, each time it may take me a minute, and, you know, over months, that would, that would add up. You no, know, for the sake of, you know, 100 euros, I could have something that's permanently set up. I just like, did that. I just did that for these banditos. I have two different holes. Nice. I have two different holes, and I didn't want to change out the, uh, the drills. So I went and got a, an inexpensive porter cable drill bit to just dedicate that to the countersinks, exactly what you're saying. Mm. And yeah. it did make my, and it was, and you know what? It was a cheap drill. But I was like, you know what? This is a pretty good drill, and I'm I, I totally believe in in you know extra equipment if it makes your life easier. It totally saved me from having to take out the bit and do it again and take out the bit and yeah, do it yeah. again. Yeah. I went from one to the next. I had a, my old shop. We used to have a drill that had three drill heads, and it was the drill, the tap, and the countersink, and you go from one to the other, and it was and nice. it made the job faster. And I didn't buy it, so I'm hoping my wife has listened to this now. She can understand. Yeah, you want me to, you want me to yell at your out. wife, too? You want me to yell at your wife yeah, like well, you yelled at your brother? You yelled at my brother. Now you've got my wife. You're telling my mother to go. I'm not, yelling, I'm not yelling at anybody in your family. One family member at a time per episode. <laughs> oh, we, we, we've, got, we've got a message on our hotline. Hello? Hey, I was uh, wondering, you guys are all fathers, and uh, I'm a father, too, uh, from Sheffield Forge on Instagram. Um, when are you guys going to let your kids handle knives? Uh, what age are they going to be when they are monitored and supervised? And what age are you guys going to let the uh, boys run wild, so to speak? Thanks, guys. So when are we going to let our kids handle knives? So I'm not sure whether he means help making knives or just, you know, using knives in the kitchen, whatever. Sure. I, what do you I think, Mareka? Because you've got a youngster, Mareka. Yeah, so my son is now three, but when he, I think he had just turned two. Uh, you know, we had these, like, kind of cheapo little steak knives. They're not fancy, cool steak knives like Craig's. Um, so they don't have the best edge on them, which is 
uh, fine because we were just cutting like grapes and tomatoes and stuff. But I just stood right over him. And at first, I, you know, I did the kind of like where you're helping somebody or you see like in the movies where somebody's helping somebody else swing a golf club or a bat. So I'm just like I'm holding he's holding the knife and then I'm holding his hand and then I'm holding the fruit. And then I just like help guide and show him. I did if we did a few of those and then I let him do a couple on his own. And um, just slow a little bit at a time is what I've been doing. Um, you know, it's not every time I'm cutting anything. Um, mm. And he loves it. I mean, he has this sense of fulfillment or achievement that he, he's cutting stuff up and he loves it's just and, and also watching something change from like a whole piece of fruit and then cu- he's breaking it down and cutting it into smaller pieces uh, is also really cool for him. Have you seen the, the Opinel sets? And I think they're called Le Petit Chef. Mm. And they're like a little chef knife for, for kids. And in that sort of choil area, they've got like a rubber um, hole. So they can put their finger in so they know they'll never get their finger under the blade. Mm. They look really cool. No, yeah, I, that sounds good. No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, for, for that sort of age, I think these would probably be perfect. Um, I think it's, I say it's, it's an Opinel, it's their range, and I think it's called Le Petit Chef. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll send you a link. They look pretty cool. I think also for anybody out there who has younger kids that think they want to get into the kitchen and start helping, they also, I've started seeing more and more of these kind of, um, these like plastic serrated knives that are used for cutting down lettuce or salad or something like that. Um, and those, I think, uh, can be pretty safe for kiddos to use. Um, that way it doesn't have the weight behind it if the knife happens to fall or you're like you're not super concerned if the knife falls, um, as well as less likely going to cut themselves if they happen to grab or touch the blade. Hmm. So. Nice. There you go. What about you, Joe? I know your daughter's older because you're, you're as old as the hills. So, I mean, <laughs> when did you sort of introduce your daughter to uh, knives? Uh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, it was in my walker and she needed to push me down the stairs. I mean, <laughs> what? Um, yeah, she started interesting in cook. She was interested in cooking and then uh, uh, she was interested in cooking and then she... Uh, she started cooking when using knives. She was a little older, so it was, uh, yeah, whatever you said. <laughs> I mean, she was interested in cooking, and then she, now she's like, a, now she's very, she's, uh, she uses all the different knives. She looks in all the knives and grabs one. I made one. I made her and her mother a knife uh, just for like prepping. They do a lot of prep stuff for their lunches and stuff. So yeah, I mean, you guys do it at two and three, so it's that sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mine are way too young. They're, they're nine months, but um, already they're hugely interested in food. They'll eat, they'll eat anything. We had like a spicy curry the other day they ate. They're, they're, it's crazy. They'll eat anything. So as yeah. soon as I think they can sort of handle cutlery, we'll get them one of those kids sets, you know, and that kind of thing. And I'm, and I'm sure, you know, just by being around my wife and I, who are, you know, again, hugely interested in food and obviously the knives, I'm sure they will. It's just osmosis, what's around them. I'm sure they will. Well, that sure, re- sure. brings me to a point of like, uh, once in a while, I'll have a customer ask me, my son is once a, you know, is going to be a uh, Boy Scout or something like that. And I do, and they, do you make anything? And I have made uh, small, uh, like small camping, uh, camping knives, like little pairing knife style knives um, for boy scouts and stuff like that i think that i always do get a little nervous i had a i had a i'm gonna be very vague about this but i did have uh someone in the neighborhood who came to my shop and wanted a a mini cleaver and i said to this person what do you mean a mini cleaver because you know a little mini cleaver i'm like for what he goes don't worry about it 
And I said, how old are you? He says, I'm, you know, 15. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not making a mini cleaver. What do you need a mini cleaver for? He's like, cause it's cool. I'm like, I'm not making you a mini cleaver. You're too young. You gotta, your parents gotta get, you gotta get permission from your parents. I ain't doing it. So I got a message from the parents. Why won't you sell my son a knife? And I was like, what is he going to do? What is he going to cut the cheese with the mini cleaver? What is he going to like butcher small pigeons? Uh, what do you want from me? Like it felt very uncomfortable. He was a pain in the ass and I felt uncomfortable yeah. about it. I was just like, yeah, yeah, it was a judgment call. I ain't making you a mini anything. Leave yeah, me alone. Leave me alone. Fair enough. Marekko, I've just sent you a link in the Skype chat there of those Liberty Chefs, just so you can see. I think they'd be pretty cool if you said. Actually, nice. when I'll you sent that out. link, I had a little slight panic attack. I thought maybe something was <laughs> I going <didn't> on. <laughs> it was like, that's why I was just like, I don't know, she's going older. All of a sudden, there's this like, bright blue and the light lettering. I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> We've been flagged. Yeah. We've ah. got a question from the, programma- uh, pro- ah, the Pragmatic Redneck saying, hey, cuties, can I ask you a question? Uh, when making a stock removal knife, do you remove all the material with the grinder or do you remove the bulk with the bandsaw or something similar? Um, right angle grinder for me. Yeah. As much as I can with that and then finish up on the grinder for the rest of the profile. Sure. Yep. That's what I've done in the past as well. as I have a little porter band set up like a, like a upright bandsaw, a vertical bandsaw. And I've, I've also done the same thing, trimming away the excess material with that and then doing the rest profiling on the on the grinder yeah i hate yeah. i hate using a right angle grinder i do it very uh i do it for very thick stock but i usually like it like Mareko said i have a porto band and i try, try to take the majority off with uh the porto band hmm. i uh, still haven't got around to buying one I, I need one it's again it's one of those things on the list but um they're pretty expensive here and i've been looking like in the u.s i know you can get them pretty cheap but over here that you don't see them around much. i wouldn't say they're they, cheap they i mean you can get them expensive. used cheap i mean you can get a i mean i got i've actually like i've said this before i have a there's a, a repair guy and people bring their tools in to get repaired and they, when they get the bill they all walk out so he's got like a pile of shit so yeah. anytime i always oh, nice. stop on by that's why i got some metabo metabo uh, grinders for oh, half shit. the price but i also got a replacement uh porta band for like you know 150 bucks used and mm. the, oh, nice. the reason why the porta bands are good here is because the blades are readily available like there are certain yeah. hardware stores where you can run out and get one because you don't have a long life on those on those blades you can't do you know uh 10 knives on one 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 blade because the blades are so yeah. short really but the convenience of being able to run out and get one makes it worth it for me is it the speed they run at which makes them acceptable for steel well i mean you know is it just a slower speed the the porta bands were meant for i mean the first time i ever saw a porta band was when i was in a metal shop and we were doing installation work like when we had to set posts for a rail or usually for outside, if you had to cut off an inch or there, you know, you, you put your, you know, you put your posts on the back of the truck and then you, you write your, scribe your line. The reason why they're portable is you can lift them up and move them around. So they're not typically for, they're not typically for the way knife makers use them. They're much easier for uh, being portable and making trim jobs. So the, I think that the concept is they really were not meant for uh, hardened steel or tools, tool steel, or, you know, they're meant for like cutting posts and you know, install guys. Yeah. I wonder if you uh-huh. had a VFD on a standard uh, bandsaw, whether that would do the same. Well, you do that. have control over the speed. You can't. There's mm-hmm. usually a knob on the trigger, and it it can go slower, it can go faster. Yeah, yeah. I've mm-hmm. if you get a hold of those Lennox uh, Porter Band bandsaw blades, and yeah, we're not sponsored good. by them, but they are really yeah. good. And I actually, I got I 
uh, I'm using the same blade that I used to cut out the mammoth tooth, uh, which was surprisingly difficult on the porta pan. Um, and then, uh, and I did cut out, uh, did some like 10 stock removal blades off of that. And I've been splitting handle material. I've been cutting down metal pieces. The Lennox really goes a long way. I think yeah. I'm doing the, uh, I got this 14 TPI teeth branch. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, it's still chugging away. The carbon steel always cuts a lot easier than the stainless steel. In my experience. In my experience. Yeah. So and the other thing is with the port of band is it's very, very, very important to have a table. Like you wanna have a, I've done oh, the yeah. whole I used to put it in the vise and then I would have like a little pincher to pinch the trigger. That little that little uh table that it comes with, it's not a table, it's like a guide. That is a very dangerous way to, to work off of. So I actually got <laughs> yeah. super, super dangerous. It's like, you know, what, two inches by, you know, like three inches, and it's not flat. I mean, it's just like all, it's not meant for that. So I actually got no. one of those uh, pre-made tables that uh, that you've mounted to, and those are, that makes it, it uh, actually, I got that because I stuck my, I had it in a post vise, and I was uh, jet lagged, and I, I was cutting the heads off the Corby's, and I put my finger through the the bandsaw and i had to go to the hospital so i had to promise i had to promise my wife that i'd make it safer so i got one of those tables first class ticket that's right first class ticket yeah you can't touch you can't touch a bandsaw blade and think that it's going to be okay you know touching a bandsaw (laughs) blade while it's going is definitely for the work is is not there's no like oopsies there it's like yeah right through yeah all right this next one is from at uh york knife he says, uh, do you still get worried when you send out your custom knives and you don't hear back from the customer with the obligatory, just receive the knife you made for me and it's fabulous email. <laughs> I do. Get I, I have done myself. in the past. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I mean, I don't do that anymore. Really. I don't really do, you know, single knives anymore, but, um, in the past, yeah, that would, that would always, I knew as soon as I'd shipped, I'd always be on sort of edge for the next you know, a few days knowing that they've received it because I've had some go astray in the past and, you know, so it's mainly a case of just knowing that they've received it rather than that they're happy with it. Um, But yeah, thankfully things have changed now, whereas, you know, the restaurant orders I'm generally hand delivering and that kind of thing. So I get immediate sort of reaction. Um, But yeah, you certainly get that sort of feeling in the pit of your stomach when you, when you ship things like, I hope this goes well. I don't get email. I get maybe one in 15 customers will send me a thank you email. Like I, I mean, you I need to make really. better knives, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Well, I mean, they're not <laughs> complaining. I, I'd rather I'll take nothing over a complaint. You know, oh, no yeah, one's like yeah. saying this. I hate this fucking thing. I mean, I usually get like, oh, we received it. It's great or whatever. I don't. I. I. I just. A lot of people don't send a thank you. Not that. Not that they need to. But I know that feeling of like, well, they didn't say anything or. Maybe these are terrible and they're not saying anything or not so amazing they're saying anything. Mm. You know, if I'm sending out like, you know, 10 knives a week, you know, I'm not getting one email back. I mean, maybe I'm getting an email back saying, oh, we really enjoyed the process, blah, blah, blah. And it does does make you feel like, well, what the fuck's wrong with it? They don't say anything. But at the same time, you know, uh, uh, I end up having, ah, fuck it. They didn't complain. So, you know, they're happy with it, I guess. (laughs) No no news is good news. Or, yeah, well, I'm sorry. But, I mean, sometimes it's true. So sometimes once in a while people, you know, they'll, They'll put me on a uh, Instagram uh, story or whatever, and that's always fun. Or, or I'll bump into someone who's got my knife, and they say, "Oh, by the way, you know, the, love the knife, still using it." Or, or you know, but I, I do get that pit in the stomach when I don't hear anything, and it's just like you gotta like, you know, get past it. Yeah, yeah. 
There you go. All right. So there you go. That's the answer for that. Uh, next question. Uh, <laughs> this one comes from Will Robert Six. Is there anything you do differently for the cutting edge of a steak knife, uh, steak knife set, since it'll likely be used on ceramic plates and dull faster? I love the show. Keep up the good work. So are you doing anything for your steak knife edge? This is a good one for you, Craig. Nothing different at all. So the edges I set at 15 degrees, the bevel, the final bevels at 15 degrees. Um, and no, nothing different at all. Um, but th- that is, is quite telling what you said there about um, they like to be used on ceramic plates and they'll dull faster. That That is the case, which is why people used to have uh, serrated blades before we had these better steels and so on. Um, but what I do now, because my, my customers are restaurants, I'm, I've just started this week, actually, I was talking about with my wife and, you know, how can we get continued business, that kind of thing. So what we're doing, we're offering restaurants is a, a six monthly refresh. So after six months, mm. I'll go in for free. I'll resharpen the knives for them. I mean, they probably would have been sharpened within six months anyway. Um, and, you know, rebuff the handles. And basically, that's a, that's a reason to get in and try and upsell them. Make wow. sure they're happy with the knives. And if they're happy, they're like, oh, well, we can do some butter knives that match. We can, you know, and it's, it's maintaining that relationship. So, um, but yeah, with regards, sorry, regards to the actual edge. No, they're just a standard 15 degrees. Um, I've got like a... I use a, a, a Tomek, my sharpening. I've got this, the uh, the Japanese wheel, which is the 2000 grit. Um on a 15 degree angle set um and it seems to work fine so you go over to the shop and then you bring everything over there direct or you bring them back well i've i'm quite fortunate i've got i've got two tomex so i've left one in the uk now so most of the restaurants i'm doing stuff for are, are in the uk um hardly anything here in france um so i fly over because it's very very cheap yeah. so super you know, cheap ten dollar flight oh it's my super, super god cheap. jesus well, I'm flying over this Thursday. I'm flying over into London, um, and it's costing me 15 euros return. Oh, my God. And a euro is around about a dollar at the moment. So that's $15 return to London. You can't, that's crazy. You can't take absurd. A, you can't take a train from my no. town of Peekskill into Manhattan for $16. Yeah. Yeah. You can't take a no, fucking easy. bullshit, smelly, loud, disgusting train for $15. Crazy. Yeah, what is so, it? It's like $25. It, it, it's that last mile. That last mile is what costs. So once I've landed, get into where I'm going in a taxi or whether it's a train. That's always at least double what Aww. I paid for the, for the plane. You know, crazy, crazy. <laughs> Listen, so so you show up to these guys' uh, uh, restaurants before service. I've got the little tormac that I take with me. The little four-inch tormac. I'll take that, bang, sharpen them up, um, give everything a little polish, and um, and say, look, aren't these great? Wouldn't it be great if you had some matching? Uh, butter knives or, you know, uh, you know, different type of steak knives for your chef's table, for example, or so on. You know, it's just trying to upsell them. That is a, that is a very good service Ooh. that you're offering. Do you have any of the, any of the cooks ever say, hey, man, you give, me, give my, uh, knife, my chef knife a lick? No, well, <laughs> as I just mentioned, we're only just starting it. So we talked about this week. So I'm flying into London on Thursday, um, and I'm meeting a restaurant there, which I've already sold to. So I'm going to do some there. And um, yeah, I can't see why it wouldn't work if they're happy with the knives and you're giving them a good service. You know, yeah. after after a year or so, they're probably going to be looking for something else. Maybe that's great. That's a good. That's a good thing, right there. Hmm. And another reason as well, actually, for flying in to see restaurants is I always get on the phone beforehand and find other restaurants locally. Um, and I say, look, I'm in the area. I'm a knife maker. Can I just come in and show you show you my knives? And generally, most chefs are interested anyway. They're like, yeah, of course, come on in. You know, come in at sort of 11 o'clock before service. We're, we're setting up. Um, so you go in and they say, well, if you're in France, why are you here? You say, well, I'm just delivering knives to 
so-and-so around the corner. They're, oh, let me have a look. So they're having a look at the knives and they get the envy then because they know a restaurant around the corner has got these knives. They're like, oh, we need to up our game. And then, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's all a sort of selling strategy, I suppose. It's great. Yeah. There you go. Seems to work. Very good. Plus, they probably feed you well, don't they? <sighs> you know what? I've, the dozens of restaurants that I've been to in the last few months, only three have fed me. Those fuckers. Oh, exactly. Yeah, some of these Tight. guys... Tight. I have gone to some high-end restaurants to bring a chef knife, a chef uh, knife. <laughs> I bring a chef knife, a chef, and uh, and then they they don't offer me, they don't offer anything. I'm like, okay, great. And then we go to the restaurant to sit down. They give a gave us a bill. Eh, look, these guys don't care. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Jesse Savage Blacksmith has sent in the question. What? Jesse Savage. It's, I think this is specifically for you, Jeff. Doesn't he have his own podcast? He can bother people with. I know. He must have way too <laughs> much time on his hands. Way too much time. Uh, so Jesse Savage Blacksmith says, he heard last night that Jeff said that he could beat Craig in a 5K. Can we make this happen? <laughs> he, he didn't really say that, but I did hear Jeff say that last night. In his, uh, I didn't in say his 5K. Life. I said, well, I was on a... We want to go into it? We can go into it. But uh, I thought you would... I, I, I'm just saying that I feel in like a... 10k half marathon situation I'd, I'd beat the both of you that's that's all but that's oh, with your old man sure. handicap you'd have a five minute handicap i don't sure. need any handicap <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fucking tight as a, i'm tight as a drum i'm i'm feeling good light and free, light and good go back to jesse's uh, question you you jesse competitive guy you <laughs> do you plan on forging knives as part of the demo at makers camp um can we do a knife or an axe or a throw-in demo and at Maker Camp and throw them at Damascus Dave. Wow. Shots fired. He's, he's trolling his co-host on a, on a different podcast. Yeah. Uh, wow. Dave's not a co-host. Dave's, uh, Dave's the manager of the Blacksmith's Pub. Ah, so I see. He's, uh, so, yeah. So, Jesse, we'll be forging knives. Uh, in regards to throwing things, I'm not planning on throwing anything, but that's for you to decide. Jesse, 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 Jesse. Actually, I'm going to be sharing a room with Jesse. Thank God for Chris Cash, because Jesse and I are going to be sharing a room. So get ready. There you go. Oh, you That's... didn't get a room with Damascus, Dave? I don't know. if I don't think so. I, I, I don't think Dave's gotten a room, to be honest with you. If you really want to get things crazy, I, I think he's just coming for the day. Yeah, I, I, Dave's a good dude. I like David. He actually told me, yeah. he, I'm going to give you a radio tease. He told me and the Modern Forge guys one of the craziest stories I'd ever heard. My my respect for Dave went through the roof. I can't tell you the story because it's too crazy. So there you go. He's a, he's a real guy. He's a real good dude. Yeah, yeah, cool story, bro. Cool story, bro. It was a cool story, bro. <laughs> You gotta grab. You gotta grab. When you see Damascus Dave, ask him to tell that story about uh, what happened to him in high school. There you go. Radio tease. That's your problem, right. though, Dave. This next one, I think, is for you guys mostly. It's from Fake Photon, and he says, Hey, guys, what are the pros and cons of working with Micarta? How does it compare with other handed materials, for example, stabilized wood? Never used it. Uh, oh. Well, I mean, yeah, you could kind of throw Micarta and G10 in the same. I, I try mm, to yeah. I throw them in the same yeah. kind of in the same world. They're like brother and sister, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well, I used it once on a knife, maybe about a month or two ago. Uh, hated it, absolutely hated it. It got it got really hot easily, and mm-hmm. I really don't like those, you know, the lines that you see because obviously it's, it's a layered material. So when you grind at an angle, you can see these layers. Um, I really didn't like it, so I don't think I'll be using it again, to be honest with you. But I know some people love it, and you know, it's it's a preference. But for me, I prefer. 
um, a stabilized wood or a really nice hardwood. I don't. I, the only micarta I really use is I like tan canvas micarta. Um, I don't really like the way linen micarta looks. Uh, I do like uh, green, olive green micarta. I love G10. And one of the reasons why is because if you're doing a set, because these G10 people, uh, whoever's making them, they're all pretty close to, the colors are pretty close. So when you're making sets, it makes it a lot easier to kind of everything to match. Um, mm. and, I, and after you grind them, I think that they hand sand very quickly. Like finishing is very quick. Uh, I also like the contrasting colors. If you play with the colors, I, that's something I've always liked. So, uh, but, I, but now sure. I've been using more wood lately. And I'm kind of interested in the wood more. Uh, yeah. So. I like it all. I don't I mean, like. When I don't it, like a lot of that. Sorry, I don't like light yeah. colors because they they're very hard to clean, and I don't mm-hmm. like. Uh, and they do. You know, some micarta like. God forbid you ever use fake ivory linen micarta. That's like. I mean, you want you might want to like you know give it all up. You want to give it all up after using that <laughs> stuff. <clears throat> I think comparison wise, the the micarta is definitely more dense and more resistance to more resistant to fluctuating fluctuations in temperature and moisture and stuff like that but i i personally i i like micarta just fine but i definitely prefer wood um and other natural materials just because i like the feel like it feels warm when you pick it up and i don't know it doesn't have kind of like a colder feel to it um but that's just my own personal thing and it's got character it's got character it's got a lot of character and yeah i understand hey guys if you're hand sanding or you're finishing or even if you're using if you're using a disc sander and you want to use something good, go get yourself some Rhino Wet from Indasa USA. It's really really well constructed paper. I I've been using it the the uh, Mareko and Craig have been using it and a lot of people when they get it they realize it is better and it saves you time and energy when you're hand sanding or you're finishing stuff. So Indasi USA makes Rhino Wet. It, it's an awesome, uh, awesome material. And you can actually go get it at Texas Farrier Supply. And if Texas Farrier Supply, they're redoing their, their, their website's all redone. And you can use Knife Talk 10 for 10% off on your Rhino Wet and all your products that you buy from Texas Farrier Supply. I just got a couple uh, blacksmithing punches. And I used the Knife Talk 10, and I got 10% off those punches. Um, they nice. sell a lot of knife-making equipment. They sell uh, a lot of farrier supplies. There's a lot of stuff for knife makers. They're really focusing on knife makers. So Texas Farrier Supply, Knife Talk 10 gets you 10% off on uh, all your products, plus Rhino Wet from Indasi USA. Thanks, guys. Hey, you. You know what you should do? Hey you, this is the part of the conversation where we hear your advice on what we should be doing. Some tips and and tricks and whatever you want to call it. So we're going to kick it off with Vashon Knives. Uh, Here's a quick tip, he says. When you think you're finished sanding a knife, uh, knife handle, rub on a very thin coat of your preferred wood finish and then wipe it off. Hold the handle under good light and you'll see all the scratches you missed. Then go back down a grit and fix them, cause let's be honest, we always miss some in the uh, some on the first go. Thanks, you guys. Love the show. Uh, I will corroborate his story. I've definitely. <laughs> it's a frustrating part sometimes is getting feeling like you got it all done. You start doing those finishing coats and you're like, oh fuck, what's that? And you got to get back into the handle, start sanding things back out. 
But that is a good tip. Just a little bit of oil of some sort will really kind of highlight anything you might have missed. Noah's Noah's a good dude. Noah's a good dude. We got another one from Keenan869. Um, He says he likes the idea of more content, but instead of having a bunch of small episodes... He's giving us advice. Yeah, he's saying he's literally saying you know what you should do. He's you know what he, you should doing us. Hey man, you know what you should do? Go ahead. Uh, but instead of having a, a bunch of small episodes, another idea could be a second question only episode that has the EDC content rolled into one. Because while driving or working, it's nicer to be able to just select a new episode and leave it. Just an idea, but I'm a big fan of the podcast. I keep the great content very informative and entertaining. So what he's saying is rather than split up our EDCs into, you know, these small chunks, we should just do um, a Hey Man, Can I Ask You a Question podcast. We just, just fill them up. Um, yeah, I mean, it's something that we could have we done. There's no reason why we couldn't. But um, I, I just like the idea of every day people know there's just something there, yeah. you know, and that's quite nice. And, you know, our sponsors like it too, let's be fair, because we mentioned the sponsors in each show as well. So it's it works well for everyone, I think. Keenan, I think it's a great idea. I think we should do podcasts every single day. I think we should do a four-hour show every Six day. Six hours, yeah. Guess yeah. what? Yeah. We're going to make you pay, Keenan. You got to make you pay because this is a lot of time and energy and we're trying to give as much as we can, but I don't want to, I personally don't want to do Patreon for our, our listeners. I don't want there to be a paywall for you guys and we're trying to make this work. So this comes from, I know you're sending this to us from a place of peace and love, but that's the way it is. So there you go. All right. This one comes from, oh, listen to this. Here's one that comes from Spicy Mike. AKA Seventh Dragon Knife Works. Here's a tip that I guess a lot of people didn't realize. I'm saying it. I'm saying it like I would think that Spicy Mike would say it. Uh, just showed someone this earlier today. If you don't have a file guide, you can spend the money for one, or just use your vice. The jaws are hardened, so it so a file skates right over them, but it will bite into the steel. Just file your shoulders in prior to quenching. So he's basically using the the jaws of his vice to mm-hmm. if you're just for, but you can't it don't work for the hey spicy it don't work for the blade it works for the your connection between your tang and the bolster like he was using it for uh, to squaring off the shoulders of the knife right okay I've got you yeah. there you go yeah and obviously you need to be careful because uh, you know a, a grip is going to have you know grip lines in there and it could it could leave things but um, yeah it's a good idea what was that in the idea. background. Somebody That's is. my my dog is going mental outside for some reason. Ted, be quiet. You sure that wasn't uh deep dive our uh Milfoy, the deep dive lady? <laughs> I've got a lock in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it away trying to get out. <laughs> hey man, can I ask you a question? No, that's not what she does. Alright, go ahead. Okay. This next one is from Garage Knife Shop. He says, "I got a tip for starting knife makers that might not, uh, sorry, that might not want to spend a ton of money on a grinder. Get a four by thirty-six and use an angle grinder to cut the edges square for plunge lines." I think we actually might have talked about that before um, on the podcast. But he's basically talking about usually those four by thirty-six belt grinders. uh, They have uh, the su- uh, off the edge of the belt, it, it extends like another maybe th- half an inch or whatever, and then it rounds down to the side. You can just oh, use an nice. angle grinder and cut a little bit of material away to get in there and get right up to the edge of the belt. 
I, nice. That's a, you know, look, you gotta, you gotta, sometimes there's a little, a little manipulation is what you have to do for all these things. Yeah. Make it work. Make it work. Whatever Any it takes. Use of the angle grinder is approved by me. All right. There you go. There you go. Now start sending your memes to him with the, all the angle, <laughs> right angle grinder memes. I'm, I'm done with them. Silver Tip Forge sends another tip. You know what you should do? Use a router in a table to contour wood, G10, and micarta handle scales. Rounding bits are great for the final grip. Yeah, I think if you're, you, if you, especially if you're doing sort of tactical knives where you can take the handles off. Um, if not, it obviously, you know, you need to sort of grind down to the spines and so on if it's, if it's a full town knife, so you wouldn't be able to. But if it's those removable handles, that would be great. Why not? Scary. Scary because you have to like you have the the router table the routers up because I know this because I knew a few, back in the day I knew some uh, lure makers who when they would make mm. their lures they'd cut the lures out and then they would make like a little fixture to hold with their hands so they could just run it around the 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 router bit and it would break all the corners but it was like I mean that's dicey you know you're holding mm. this little piece of wood or whatever material and you gotta. Watch. They spin quick, those routers. Oh, dude, you got to watch those oh, yeah. fingers. Otherwise, it's like, you know, terrible. I didn't have a joke do you know, for do you know, it, but terrible. You know what this has turned into? You know what you should do? People send it in tips. Then us trying to sort of devalue their tips. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure all these tips are brilliant, but, you know, they're not always We fresh. need to change it. To, we need to figure that out. Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that you're sending in her tips and we're telling you how bad they are. <laughs> no, it's a good tip, but... It wouldn't work for the type of stuff I do. Maybe you should change this bit to, you know what you should do? No, I don't. Or not doing it right. (laughs) (laughs) We're just making people feel shitty. (laughs) I love it. It's the reverse. It's like, you know what you should do? No, no, I don't know what I should do. Go ahead. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah. You know what you should do? No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> okay, Joshua. Joshua, Prince Prince Forge Works has sent in. He, he actually sent in a bunch of videos, or they were audio. I can't remember. It was, it was a bunch of messages. Um, but the synopsis is behind it is blend the size of your Damascus billets with a grinding wheel, so you don't get coal shits and you seal out the oxygen. There you go. Yeah. So, Does that make sense? I, I I can't quite work that out myself. So he was when he puts the the when I, I saw the video. So when he when he uh, welds when he mig welds all oh. the the layers together, you have sometimes you have a little bit of uh, sometimes some are wider than the other, so it's not super yeah. super flat. So he was grinding down all the profiles. So the this the I don't know how the he, stack is the all stack square. is square. Right. right, right. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, so the sides are flat. Well, and that makes sense because, and then the burr that's created off the edge of each little piece kind of overlaps the next one and kind of reduces the opportunity or uh, of oxygen getting in between the layers. Yeah, it's good. He's a clever guy. Super smart guy. All right. Uh, here, this one comes from Kyle Daly, KH Daily Knives. Here's a tip uh, when using liners on knives. You want to get that shiny surface. Well, liners meaning like G10 or, or uh, you want to get the shiny surface off, so the epoxy or glue can bond to it easier. I buy G10 pieces in sheets, uh, 12 by 12 or bigger, and I use a five-inch r- random orbital sander to rough up the surface of the G10. Then I can cut these up to larger sheets to more manageable sizes, five by 12. This goes much faster and easier when the pieces are cut up for the knife handles. 
So basically, he'll buy a sheet when he's making liners and stuff. He'll buy the sheets and he'll hit the mm-hmm. he'll hit all the shiny side up with a with the um an orbital sander oh, and yeah. then dr- run it through the table saw because then you don't have to do one little piece at a time. I actually did that for the banditos because I was cutting through just a ridiculous amount of G10 and I hit everything with the grinder first uh with the sander uh, orbital sander and then I ran it through and then I didn't when I started to glue them up I didn't have to go back and clean them all up again. Mm. Yeah, it was good. Nice. Work. Yeah, good time saver. There you go. So you know the funny All thing right. is, is after the last two, we felt I think I felt guilty about like going after everybody's tips, so we're like backing off a, a, a lot. So just know that we just did the last two, we backed off. We're not in approving. We're, that, yeah. we're oh yes, that was a very good tip. Oh, no, I'm not to disapprove of this next one. <laughs> no additions necessary, <laughs> but here it comes. Let's go. All right, this next one from Goat's Eye Knives. He says, "Turn your buffers around so your wheel is spinning away from you." Cut back, uh, cuts back on the overall scariness. Uh, my issue with that is then you are basically buffing blind and you can't really see where the buffer is actually contacting versus, I guess, the, the, the buffer turning towards you and, and down towards the ground is that you can kind of look over the f- side of the blade that you're buffing, right? Mm. And you can see what you're buffing. Surely if it grips, it's going to send the blade up into your face rather than down to the floor. Surely that's more dangerous. Yeah. Well, oh, I guess yeah. I assume that if he has it uh, turning the other direction, he's doing it on top, kind of like the, how the Tormac works. Ah, I see, I see. And then it would, but at the same time, you can't really see what you're doing. Mm. So, but so what he's saying is, is you should have the buffer turning the top coming towards you, so it should be going counterclockwise. It should be going up. What up. do you mean up? They're both way. They're both going up. <laughs> Wait. So I think he means a buffer, like on a like a bench grinder. Yeah. So you want like so a six inch wheel or whatever, rather than spinning down towards you. He means up and away from you. I like down. I like it going yeah. down because if it's going to fly, no. it's going to fly down. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I didn't buy these amazing shoes for nothing. If you know, if this is going to be hit, it's going to be these special shoes. <laughs> yeah, you got them old. You got them old lady shoes. You have what's the Wayne, best thing you have on your feet? <laughs> yeah, Wayne Browning underscore blades. Here's a tip for you. He uses a magnifying lens with a light on it for grinding. So file work or any work I need to see up close. So the light has a clamp on the base which clamps to the workbench, and with a flexible arm, you can put it right where you need it. There you go. Yeah, mm. like like jewelers use that kind of thing. There you go. Right, nice. that's good. Actually, that reminds me. I just had to replace my uh, headlamp that I had attached or fixed to the face of my uh, respirator. And what I did, I, so what I ended up getting was a pen light, an LED pen light that had a little pocket clip on it, and I just clipped that to uh, one of my little res- respirator cans, the pads, and or the filter, and hmm. it shoots light straight down to where i'm working perfectly and mm-hmm. yeah and, and it's handy because i can just slide it back off and use it somewhere else in the shop or if i'm looking down to the tank slot of a hidden tank handle or anything like that so nice nice, nice. Yeah. uh this next one is from joel iverson he says hey man you know what you should do shape knife handles with an angle grinder Hmm. That's a rough situation. Let's just move on. That. Let's just move on. That. <laughs> Community showcase. <laughs> That's a rough situation right there. <laughs> Wowzers. 
Yeah, I, I have seen people shaping wood with angle grinders, and you just think, what the hell? It's just burning shit everywhere, and there's smoke everywhere. It's not good. I used to use no, angle think... grinders to grind sculpture, yeah. to move a lot of material, because I knew that I was going to, like, it was to rough move sculpture. And I was sending uh, sending dust all over the place, but I was leaving all these, like, little gouges all over the place. So I would think that mm-hmm. using a grinder to do your handles, you got to have a pretty... You gotta have a pretty, pretty smooth move, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, you're gonna turn it into a, you know, disaster. Sure. Well, and I think it just comes down to what you're most comfortable with. And like, uh, like Neil actually, Neil Kamimura, when he first started doing knife making, he had never used a belt grinder, and so um, he did a lot of his grinding with an angle grinder. Because that's what he used for doing body work on cars. Yeah. And so that's what he was really comfortable with using. And he was getting some decent shapes and contours on the. And it's just, it does throw sand, sawdust all over the fucking place. But, mm. you know, it gets it done. Well, believe it or not, you know, I know that everyone thinks that, you know, I, you know, using a grinder is like using a hammer when you're forging. Everyone seems to think you just use it, you use it. But I mean, when I was in metal shops... There were there were different you know techniques we were using to uh, feather in welds or to break corners, mm-hmm. and you weren't just like you know going off like a crazy person. They were like you know there was one point where we were you would turn it on and to break a corner we would actually as you were making the turn you turn off the grinder so it would stop and stop while you're grinding. There's a lot of like there especially for fabrication there are ways to use a grinder that gives you the most efficient. Uh, way to go but i think a lot of people just like cowboy it and go like you know balls to the wall and turns into like a gougy burned up thing yeah hmm. for sure well we've we've had a tip left on our hotline hello hey guys it's jeremy at uh iron gall up in canada this is a uh a tip i guess <laughs> anyway, there's nothing that really sucks worse than hand sanding. And uh, I read on a couple of forums about people using orbital sanders. It's sort of a uh, a way to speed the process up. Anyway, I was, I was pretty skeptical, but uh, I did try it out. Uh, I went from off the belts at about 120 and then on to uh, 120 orbital sander discs and just kind of grind into them with it. You can really lean into it. And then go up through 220, 400, up, up, up to uh, about 600 with the orbital discs. And then, man, it does a really good job. Surprising. Um, of course, then you have those little J hook scratches, but it's easy enough to then switch over to, uh, you know, straight laps with a piece of sandpaper, go six, eight, thousand, and uh, that sort of realigns all your scratch lines, uh, heal the tip. Gets rid of all those little orbital J scratches and lets you kind of jump through the sort of 200 to uh, 600 grit stages. Anyway, uh, might not be as useful for everyone else, but I think it's uh, it's really helped me out. Anyway, guys, love the podcast. Thanks a lot. Bye. Nice. That's a good one. There we go. I've done Did that before. That's good. Random orbital sander from 200 onwards. I mean, it's basically yeah. a handheld disc sander for the most part. I mean, it's they usually have mm. they usually have a softer backing, but you know, I, I've done that before. Community showcase. Community showcase. So this is the bit where we like to give a shout out to people or things, anything that where we want to sort of highlight within the community. Um, now, 
I haven't done any homework this week, so I haven't got one. Um, Morocco, do you have one? I do. All right. So I first uh, met this guy and heard of him on the Kitchen Knife forums, uh, which is very aptly named. Uh, but he is a <laughs> knife. <laughs> he, he is a, uh, a knife enthusiast. He, he's a collector, but he also started getting into uh, handle making, and he does a lot of kind of traditional Japanese style octagonal handles, and he does all these really cool and kind of. Uh, fun combinations but he does a beautiful job uh he's not really on the knife maker side of the thing uh and uh so he's he's he makes these handles and sells them and he's a very talented craftsman from russian and um yeah he's on instagram as i can has cheeseburger which is a funny name that's that's the same handle he uses i believe on on uh, the kitchen knife forums but if you go take a w- look at his work he does some really phenomenal stuff and his prices are pretty reasonable it's like i think last i knew it was like 30 maybe 40 dollars a handle and you're gonna be hard up to get even just a block of wood for 30 to 40 dollars let alone a completed handle that basically you know you slap onto your knife once you finish it up and so yeah i just wanted to uh give him some love because i, I really I like and appreciate his work very cool well yeah. i'd like to give a shout out to a good homie of ours uh ashley childs ashley childs is uh she's an awesome person she's a knife maker at the new west knife works in uh, wyoming uh she's a student of seth gould um she's a great blacksmith it's always good to see you know positive people out in the world and she's a blacksmith and she lives out in wyoming and she's makes hammers and she works at this knife shop and she's a very uh she's a very positive person and i am totally ac is good to me i'm with her and uh follow ashley childs uh she's a great little blacksmith and uh it's great to see her doing all the things that she's doing yeah i just I saw that she was following me the other day and I was like, who is this? And I pulled her up and she's got all this really cool. Her feed's really neat. Yeah. looks like she travels all over and is learning from a lot of different craftsmen. But yeah, I, I saw she's working at new West knives and yeah. she does good work. It looks yeah, like, no, yeah. she's so. a good, you know, she's a very all around, per- she's an all around interesting person. And, uh, she, like I said, she was a student of Seth Gould who reached out to us after listening to her. He, her we gave him a shout out, and that was really cool. And uh, AC is good. AC is good for me. I'm with her. Really cool. So I remember you can get links to these profiles on the on the website. So with the, the episode, uh, the page with this episode is on. There'll be links there, so you can get straight to their Instagram. We've got beef. Oh, good. There you go. <laughs> what else is there to say? <laughs> yeah, we got beef. Uh, yeah, so this is where we kind of air our grievances and frustrations a little bit, and I think Craig wants to kick us off with this one. Yeah, so I mentioned at the top of the show that I'll be doing a lot of grinding this week. Um, so first off, I started the week finishing off a bunch of handles, which was this this sort of plastic material that I've been working with um, for, for this restaurant. And I, they come out really nice, really happy with them. Um, but, well, my beef is friction. <laughs> get things getting hot and things just not doing what you want them to do yeah girl of friction yeah girl go ahead oh, go ahead God, girl jeez fuck science that's what i say because friction <laughs> yeah. is making my life a nightmare so I've, I've been working with this plastic which i've sort of sort of 
I wouldn't say I've developed, but, you know, a, a new way of using this plastic. And when you're using corbies or pins or whatever it is, that material will get hot when you're grinding them down. And those yeah. little tiny grind spots, you know, those little bits that you grind out, are just being embedded into the plastics. Oh. So, yeah, so I've had to really slow things down. And when you've got a bunch of knives to get through, it's a nightmare. So friction can go fuck itself. Oh. So that's one instance of friction really messing me up this week. And the second one is just when you're just grinding knives, when you've, when, you know, you've got like a, a stack of, you know, 60 to go through and you're just going through grind by grind, you know, coming down the, the grits and so on. And you've got your dip tank and you're just constantly fighting the heat. And mm. it's just, yeah. Fuck science and fuck friction. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. That's a, hard, that's a hard thing to say right I, there. I do know that pain. <laughs> do you have a way of trimming the Corbys down a little shorter before you start grinding on them? I don't. Uh, and that's, we oof, just talked about having a, the, having a porter band. That's, the, yeah. that's what I need. That's that would be a game clutch. changer for you. Oh, dude. I, uh, it yeah. changed the way. I mean, I felt that way. Because, you know, the, the brass especially, oh. it, just can, it just takes so yeah. much heat. But, I yeah. mean, Angle if you grinder. can... That's a good idea too. That's not a bad idea at all. Trim them off with the angle. I missed that. He said trim them off with an angle grinder. Ooh, it's a bit close to the bone, then, isn't it? When you, you know, (laughs) you you know, your whole last five minutes have been a little bit angry, sexy at the same time. Close to the bone (laughs) and fuck angry, sexy. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry if I'm turning you on, Jeff. Not Come on, man. But it generally seemed a little bit like, fuck friction and fuck science and I hate all this hard, hot friction and it's close, too close to the bone. It's getting a little bit crazy over there in France. Uh, I need need to get out. (laughs) Morocco, have you got a beef? Yeah, so this is, again, this is kind of my own mostly it's me being frustrated at myself but it's uh so i was doing some laundry the other day i wash my clothes separate from uh the, everybody else's because i come home from the shop covered in all kinds of like metal shavings and nastiness that you know we don't need that stuff getting on my son's clothes and my sister was here visiting uh this last week and i started this giant load of laundry and got caught up with helping with dinner and then hanging out afterwards and i completely forgot to start drying the clothes until later that night and um it did the whole thing where it gets all nasty and has that musky musty kind of nasty smell and i went to work the next day with one of those shirts on and it just it's such a horrible Ah. smell it's the worst and i so my beef is with clothes getting stinky from (laughs) leaving them in the wash for too long but, uh, that reminds me of school. You know, you go to school on a rainy day and you, you got your school mm. coat and you put it down next to the radiator and it just smells pissy, like, you know, for the rest of the day. Ugh. What do you do to your clothes? Stuff. What are you talking about, pissy? Do you grow up with cats? You pi- no, you know, that sort of damp no. and it hasn't quite dried yet. And, uh, you know, the next yeah. day, you know, you don't wash your school coat every day. So you go into school the next day and it's, everybody smells a bit pissy, you know? Ugh. <laughs> we had a, we had a, I started to notice that it, our, something was wrong with our, uh, our washer and I had to take it apart. I had to take apart the drain and pull out a lot of the stuff because our clothes were starting to smell bad. That's not a, that's not a good feeling, but I felt like a champion because my wife was like, you fixed the washing machine. I'm like, you're goddamn right. I did. There you go. Yeah. Uh, my beef isn't an angry beef. It's just, I don't understand. For some reason, LOL has become punctuation. So somebody will text me, somebody will text me and they'll say something and they'll end the sentence with LOL. 
and I don't really it doesn't ever makes any sense to me. You know what I'm you know what I'm saying? Like, uh see you down see you down the bar, lol. What 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 do you what do you what do you why? <laughs> I don't understand. Like I don't understand why so I, we get these messages a lot and I get a lot of messages and a lot of texts from people and they throw LOL all the time. Do you do you, is there do you need it? Is it necessary? Do you think they're really laughing out loud as they're talking? I don't know. It's just like, you know, I got a friend, not really a friend, but kind of a friend who puts, he writes sigh all the time. Like S-I-G-H as in like, (sighs) like he puts that in his writing and I'm just like, you know, you don't have to do that. I don't need, I don't need to picture you feeling like, you know, how you're feeling when you write this. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Sigh. I'm like, fuck you, man. I don't need to know. I don't want to know, and I don't need to know. And LOL <laughs> is the same thing. It's like, it's like I know. And when I when I started, when I messaged a tone, I said, well, "What do you want me to say about this job?" Uh, and, and I can tell there's going to be a pile of people writing, uh, writing to me. It's yeah. Tomer. I live in America. I wish I could be there. LOL. And in my mind, I know that he's going to get a t- pile of emails, and with this, with the punctuation being LOL, I don't get it. I don't get it. It makes no mm-hmm. sense to me. And you will never hear me ever. Use, you never see me write LOL. I don't, I don't, you don't need to know. You don't need to know my inner feelings. <laughs> you don't. Old man. Wow, Old I mean, seriously, seriously, <laughs> trust me, trust me. The time you see me write LOL, you'll know that my phone has been hacked. That is a fact. <laughs> now, you, oh, it, it, oh, yeah. my favorite emoji is now that I've been using it forever. And if you're, if you ever see, I love the, the, the aubergine. No, the fucking <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> no, I, no, no, no. I like the cheersing champagne glasses because that's my oh, yeah. that's my my emoji for I'm with you, and it, it leaves me alone. Like that cheers emoji basically says, "All right, we're done this conversation. Conversation over." That's my LOL. Cheers, cheersing champagne. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's nearly a show. We got we got time just for my favorite bit. Hey, cuties. What's the best thing you've had in your mouth this week? She got a little bit of, she got a little bit of funk in the morning. That's a morning, that's a morning voice right there. What's the best thing you've had in your mouth? Um, Mareka, why didn't you kick us off? What's the best thing you've eaten this week? Oh, let's see. Actually, we just uh, did birthday stuff for my wife uh, last night, and we did pizzas. And one of the pizzas, so over here we got uh, this, like, ready-made pizza place called Papa Murphy's. Uh, I don't think they exist over on the East Coast. Um, There's no Papa can... Murphy's on the East Coast. There's no Papa Murphy's on the East Coast. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so they do all like the, they stretch out the dough and they top the pizzas and all this stuff. And there's this one pizza that they do there. It's the Thai chicken. And it's, uh, it's like a sweet Thai chili sauce with chicken and zucchini, onion, garlic, and and it's super delicious, and so I'd have to say that that is the uh, that's probably nice. the best thing I had this last. <laughs> I week. gotta tell you, I'm really glad you explained <laughs> it because I thought you called it the tight chicken. <laughs> the tight chicken. I thought I had a tight. Chicken. I had some tight chicken. I had a tight chicken pizza. I'm like, what the fuck is a tight chicken? Mm. I, I actually tight chicken in my mouth. I had some good. The my some of my favorite chicken is in the Caribbean. I call it we call it street chicken because those chickens down there in the Caribbean are a little bit on the thin side and they have a lot of flavor. We used to call them street chicken, so I thought maybe it was close to a street chicken. Uh, tight. Don't they call that jerk chicken? Uh, well, yeah. We're getting into recipes here. 
speaking of chicken, speaking of chicken, I I'll say that it, I was at Finn and Brew a couple nights ago, and they were closing the kitchen, and and, they, and I didn't realize it. I was with some friends, and uh, I was talking to the bartender, and I said, "Is it, we we get some wings?" And um, they saw all the kitchens closed, and the bartender mentioned to the sous chef David, "Thank you, David," and he came out with like he just surprised us with some uh, teriyaki glazed uh, chicken wings, and they were awesome. And I was like, oh, there was nice. like, they were really, really great. I'm not eating a lot of meat, so when I do, I enjoy the shit out of it. So I had mm. some fucking kick-ass uh, wings over at Finn and Brew. And and just to let you know, I don't find anything. I'm not interested in anything I make. Anything I make, like the paella, it ain't gonna be the, my favorite thing I ate all week. That's for sure. I like <clears throat> I like shit that other people make. Mine is this week something I made. So. It's, it's that time of the year now where summer's like it's coming to an end and the evening's getting a little bit colder. So we're like, oh, we want something like really comforting tonight. What are we going to eat? So um, I cooked it. They were just, you know, pretty standard, just meatballs and like a ragu sauce, but we didn't, we did gnocchi with it and so on. And it was just because we've had a summer and it's been, you know, it's been a hot summer and it's been, you know, lots of salad, lots of light stuff. It was nice to have something just really rich and just, you know, oh, yeah. It was awesome. It just felt as if winter's coming. And I love winter anyway. It just felt really sort of comforting and warming. So, yeah, meatballs and a ragu sauce. And top tip with the ragu sauce, white, I, I'm always using black pepper with everything. You just put a grind of black pepper in and so on. But just get, you know, the, the powdered white pepper, just stick a bit of that in it, and it just makes it so much richer and like a really sort of gentle heat to it. It was beautiful. So, yeah. Meatballs and a, and, a, and a nice tomatoey sauce. It was just comforting. It was lovely. Nice. Nice. Yeah, there we go. There's a there show. There's a show. So remember, let me pull up this number. Let me pull up our number. You guys talk for a second. I'm going to pull up the number for our hotline. Hey, Mareko, <laughs> have you ever used smoked yep. pa- smoke paprika? I have. And I was completely blown away at how big of a difference it is from just regular paprika uh it is a really nice way to i don't know just finish things off a little bit or uh just to get a little bit of that uh smoke flavor without you know kind of blowing away or uh i guess messing up kind of like the balance of flavors you got going on do you know what car Ruiz calls smoke paprika Carwee's sabor no. chef on instagram he calls it white trash he calls it white trash saffron <laughs> That's me. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. White trash saffron. The white trash saffron. I love it. So here's the number. If you've got any tips, any news that you want us to share, if you if you're recruited, just like Tomer is, this is the this is the place to tell. So it's if you're outside the US, it's zero zero. Then it's plus one two one three because um, we're on the we're on the west coast. Apparently, um, yeah. Plus one two one three two six one zero four seven three. So plus one two one three two six one zero four seven three. Um, and don't leave us, you know, messages going on, rambling on for minutes. Make it short, succinct, and yeah, tips, any questions you've got, any news, just amuse us, just amuse us. Send them through. Yeah. No more Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. And then you can yeah. say no, and no Beavis and, and say LOL at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you thank you for that that's the show we've got another one coming tomorrow at Little EDC see you soon <laughs>